0: Philippians. Thank you for that Glenn. I want to talk today about thanks. How many of you like to give thanks? How many of you like it when people give you thanks? How many of you just like turkey? You know there are a few words that are more powerful to say than thanks. It, it, it like it, it grabs my attention every time in a very positive way when someone expresses appreciation, when they thank me for something, when there's gratitude. And I try, I'm not, I'm not great at this, but I try to express my thanks, my appreciation, my gratitude, knowing how it can impact other people. It's that whole do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So I'm just gonna start by all of you just saying thank you. And you're like, for what? I, I, well, figure it out later. Uh, Philippians is a book about joy, and we're going to talk about joy, but today our theme is actually thanks. I I must admit, I've I've been pleasantly surprised by how thankful people tend to be. I truly, I I feel like thanks is almost one of those cliche words that we say it without really thinking about what we're thankful for. It's like when we throw out, I'm sorry. For what? Like, because you got caught, or because you did what you... Thanks. We're still two months away from Thanksgiving, but thanks is our theme this morning as we begin this book of Philippians. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to take your Bibles out or turn it on, whatever the case may be. We're going to be looking at this book of Philippians for uh, the next eight weeks or so. And it's a it's an, a marvelous book I want to give you a little background just so you know what we're reading so oftentimes we open the Bible and we have no idea the context we take a verse out of context and say wow this is a nice verse. i I'm gonna I'm gonna have someone do a calligraphy and put it on my wall and that's gonna be like my verse maybe completely misunderstanding the point the context what's going around so Philippians is called an epistle. Epistle is just a short letter. It's written by Paul, and he acknowledges his friend Timothy. And he writes this letter to the church in Philippi, is how I've always been taught to say it. But when my wife and I went to modern-day Greece, you can see the star there. This is the, 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 the pink star, is the spot in Greece, which is near Turkey and Bulgaria and Macedonia and Albania, uh, right there. I was I was really surprised when our tour guide called it Philippi she's Greek I'm not so you figure out how you want to pronounce that but one of the things I love about the Bible is it's based on real events real historical events it didn't just like, happen. Our faith is not built on someone's dream or imagination or wishful thinking. It wasn't the result of some bad breakfast that someone had or, or some uh, psychedelic substances that maybe caused fantasies and, and hallucinations. Our faith is based on real historical figures, real places, real times. And several years ago, my wife and I got to travel to Philippi, or Philippi, where Paul founded the first European church around A.D. 50. And it's amazing if you've ever done any archaeological stuff. They're able to, right now, like as we speak, they're uncovering cities that were buried under cities that were buried under cities. You may think, like, why in the world has it taken so long for them to find all this stuff? Well, if you can imagine over thousands of years, like, if, if Toledo had a big earthquake, and all the buildings came down, and Toledo was just left over, like, no one wanted to build here, and then pretty soon people were like, well, we need a place to start building houses and such. And so then they came, and they, they built a city on top of it, and then there was another earthquake, and they built a city on... It's so hard for us Americans to figure this out, because 200 years seems like a long time to us. But you, you, you cross into Europe and, and Asia, and you're thousands and thousands of years. So this is a, a picture of an archaeological dig in Philippi, or Philippi. And if you look at the bottom, I'm going to do a little close-up. They've actually been able to uncover these beautiful mosaics, these tiles, That are thousands of years old dating back perhaps most likely to the first century when Paul wrote this letter so this is like a real place real people Paul started this church he took off and then he's writing this letter now the thing about this letter that you need to understand and if you look really carefully at our logo for the series it shows a person in handcuffs the book of Philippians was written From prison have you ever been to a prison I know some of you have been to prison uh, either as a resident of the prison or a guest our Kairos prison ministry was it just last weekend we we had the 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 Kairos weekend today this this weekend yes Um, so we can be in in prayer about that Paul's riding from a prison and they didn't have electricity in this prison and they didn't have a lot of the other modern things that we have. It's, it's really hard to even just imagine the conditions in which Paul was writing. But we know this. It was Roman prisons in the first century. It was hardly the holiday end. Paul was in prison for preaching the good news of Jesus. And it still amazes me how people then and even today can go to prison just because of what they believe. We are so blessed in this country to have freedom of religion. We we are blessed to have the freedom of speech. And at this very moment, our brothers and sisters in places all over the globe are, like Paul was, in prison simply because they loved Jesus, simply because they were filled with faith, hope, and love, simply because they believed that loving God and loving and serving other people were the two most important things that they could possibly do. And while that makes perfect sense to me and hopefully to you, we have a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, that wants nothing to do with love, that wants nothing to do with generosity, peace, unity. Instead, he wants to steal, kill, divide, and lie. If you were in prison simply because, not because you robbed a bank or because you were you know, murdering or, or something, but you were in prison just because you loved Jesus and you had an opportunity to write to your friends, maybe to the church of Toledo, I wonder what your letter would say. I can tell you how I think my letter would begin. It would go something like this. Dear First Alliance Church, get me out of here! get me out of here call your congressman or your senator or something like get me out of here i don't like this the creatures are running around at my feet there is freezing cold in here there is no internet access like get me out of here and it's so remarkable as we as we look at the book of philippians it's so vital to understand the context he's writing from prison so this is not a guy riding at the beach he hasn't won the lottery he's not just chilling and relaxing he's writing from prison And yet, his primary word is joy. Joy. Now, thanksgiving is our theme, or giving thanks is our theme today. But throughout the book, the theme is joy. Our nation talks a lot about the pursuit of happiness, but joy is something much greater. See, happiness depends on our circumstances. We can be happy because our team won last night, and then we can be sad next week if our team loses. We can be happy because we got a new job. We can be sad when we lost our job. We can be happy when we got a new puppy. We can, well, uh, let's not go there. (sighs) Sorry. But joy is not dependent on circumstances. It's much more robust than happiness. Joy is something that transcends our circumstances and I believe is best acquired with a relationship with God through Jesus. It's something that I desire for myself and it's something that I desire for all of you because I guarantee you, you're going to have problems this week. I know that's like, really? Uh, You're going to have problems next week, too. In fact, if you're a human, and most of you are, you're going to have problems throughout the rest of your life. But in the midst of suffering, in the midst of problems, yes, in Paul's case, even in the midst of prison, you can experience joy. How many of you want to experience joy? The rest of you will pray for you right now. Lord God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray that we would experience your joy, your peace, your presence, your power. Lord, our world is diametrically opposed to you and to your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, this day, may your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. May you break through the depression and the violence in our city may you break through the evil and the destruction and the poverty in our city may you break through the corruption and the things that we see the enemy at work doing and we pray lord for your kingdom to be unleashed for your joy to be unleashed for your peace and your shalom to blanket this city to blanket my brothers and sisters and even those online wherever they may be may they experience you right now guide me in my words in jesus name amen so this letter is written from prison by pastor paul to these people in philippi philippi and as i'm reading through this as i'm studying the text this week the words seem so apt for me to speak to all of you now glenn read the the letter or the first 11 verses the part we're going to look at today he read the letter to all of you and i just want to say as your pastor As one of your pastors these words have such deep meaning for me personally a pastor to a church to a congregation let's get right into it verse one this letter is from paul and timothy slaves of christ jesus paul and and timothy he's describing himself he uses this word slaves they don't identify as prisoners here they're not saying we're writing from prison we're suffering he mentions prison later but rather than saying, woe is us, woe is me, I'm writing from prison, help, help, help. In fact, he doesn't even use titles. He doesn't say, this is Pastor Paul, this is Reverend Paul, this is Apostle Paul, this is even Mr. Paul. He just says Paul. And he says, There are slaves of Christ Jesus. Are you a slave of Christ Jesus? And this word slave has horrific connotations in our culture, in our world, doesn't it? Whether you think about the Civil War, you think about the fact that today there are more slaves in our world than ever in history. But I want to just kind of shift your thinking a little bit with this word because this word, our word in English, is different than the original Greek word because, well, the Bible was written, the New Testament, this letter was written in Greek and not in English. But the original Greek word doulos can be translated servant, someone that's devoted to another person, someone that's committed to another person. In many cases, a servant chose to be a servant either because they worked for someone to pay off a debt Or they simply thought, this person is worth my time and my devotion. I want to hitch my wagon to this person. I want to follow them. I want to do life with them and serve them. I, I trust that they'll take care of me. Maybe there are some physical limitations involved, whatever. Perhaps some of you have heard of indentured servants. Paul is saying that, Paul and Timothy are saying that, that they have chosen to be a slave of Christ Jesus. They chose to follow Jesus, and their identification as slaves, as servants, makes that very clear. This is their identity, their core identity. This is how they begin the letter, identifying themselves as slaves or servants of Christ Jesus. Again, I ask you, are you a slave of Christ Jesus? It's the it's invitation. Jesus comes and he says, follow me. And when he when he tells us to follow him he's saying leave everything behind i mean he literally told his disciples at times to leave everything behind take you don't need all that stuff just come and follow me follow me what i've discovered is oftentimes in our culture people will follow jesus this way they will pray a prayer so they can get a get out of hell free card so that when they die they can go to heaven when they die and well, they're not really sure what to do until they die, so they just go back and live like everybody else. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. And if you were sold that bill of goods, I just want to tell you, you were really misinformed. See, when Jesus says, follow me, he he means, follow me. Like, follow me completely. I want everything from you, which can sound pretty daunting. Like, who do you think you are, God? Wait, you mean I'm not in control? Wait, you you mean you want me to to actually obey your commands? I mean, what could be more un-American than following the commands of someone else, of not being in control of our own destiny, of doing it our way and having it our way? But this is what it means to follow Jesus now, the phrase that we use so often and we sang about it already and we will continue to sing about it later this morning this word Lord great are you Lord Lord is equivalent to master we don't really understand these things in our culture we don't have lords we don't have royalty we don't really even have masters you might have a boss can't stand that person maybe Hopefully my staff is thinking otherwise. But as as being a slave, a servant, it means you set down everything and you submit, you surrender to the person that is your master or your Lord. See, in a few minutes we're going to have some individuals that are going to enter what we call a water grave. And symbolically they are going to die to themselves to their will to their their pride to their stuff they're gonna die they're not gonna stay dead they will come up and they will be figuratively resurrected a new creation with Jesus as a servant a slave a follower of Christ because they've chosen follow Jesus. They've made a determination, a decision, a choice that following Jesus is a much better proposition than following their own interests, their own desires, their own fickle feelings. That truth is a person. It's not some meme on social media or some fly-by-night ideology. We have to really get this, family. If you're you're a part of First Alliance, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, it means we set aside everything. We have no more rights. Our bodies belong to Jesus. Our, Our identity belongs to Jesus. Our finances belong to Jesus. Our time and our talents belong to Jesus. Our agendas belong to Jesus. And please understand this. His ways are so much higher than our ways. He doesn't promise that life's going to be easy. He doesn't promise that life's going to be comfortable. But I promise you, you will experience more satisfaction. And what's our word for the series? Joy. There's joy in the journey. There's joy in following Jesus. Don't take my word for it. Go ahead, try it. Do it your way. How's that working out for you? Because I've discovered, though I don't follow Jesus perfectly, when I do, I experience the greatest joy. And when I do things my own way, I'm filled with regret. Maybe temporary happiness, but ultimately regret. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was arrested, imprisoned, sent to a concentration camp, and eventually hanged for his refusal to follow Hitler, said, Whenever Christ calls us, his call leads us to death. Put that on a billboard. Whenever Christ calls us, he calls us to death. But again, he doesn't leave us there. It's just a death to our junk so that we can be resurrected as new creations. Now, before you turn away from this, like, Being a slave of Jesus, this is what he said. He said, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. He flips everything upside down. We live in a world where people are trying desperately to find life and meaning and purpose, and they're always going to settle until they find and discover Jesus you were made for a relationship with god through jesus christ and any other relationship any other quest is going to leave you short again it may be it may be work for a while but ultimately only eternal things only things rooted in jesus christ are going to bring true joy you know christianity is not primarily a set of beliefs or a religion but it's a way of life. As I often say, it's the ultimate alternative lifestyle. It's an alternative from the way that the world is living. This narcissistic, me-centered, greedy, greedy, greedy. It's all about following Jesus and loving him and loving others. I often compare following Jesus and certainly the idea of baptism to this idea of marriage. And I've expressed this before, but it, it, it bears repeating. You know, I don't wear this ring. This, this ring does not make me a married person. It's just merely a, a visible public declaration that I'm married. I'm committed to my wife. And if I take my ring off, I, I'm still married. And if I, I, if I give this ring to somebody else, that doesn't mean that they're married to my wife. No, the ring is just, it's a public symbol that expresses uh, an inward commitment. And as we witness five baptisms today, baptism doesn't make you saved. Baptism is a step of obedience because Jesus made it clear that we are to be baptized to publicly proclaim our faith. And then again, the, the manner in which we do baptism is such that It's a surrender. It's a death to ourself and a resurrection. By the way, this is probably a good time for me to just introduce this thought. The word baptism has two meanings. There's, I believe, two types of baptisms, and unfortunately, they're very often confused. Kind of like the word love. I love ice cream, I love my wife. Two very different things, though I'm very passionate about both. But that's another story. Some of you were baptized as a child, as an infant, and... There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we, we our, our ceremony, we call it a dedication. It's typically a child dedication, and, and really it's more of a parent dedication. Parents saying, we want this child to follow Jesus. And so we, like Jesus was presented in the temple when he was a, a young boy. So parents will say, we wanna present our child to the Lord. We want to raise this child to be a follower of Jesus. But the child has no say in the matter. Actually, sometimes they do have a say. It sounds like loud crying, usually about the time that pastor gets to hold the baby. And By the way, if any of you have young children and you'd like to have them dedicated, we would love to do that. We don't use water, so we don't call it baptism, but we dedicate them. It's just kind of our tradition. But then there's this baptism where some would call it believer's baptism, where someone says, I'm choosing to be baptized. I'm declaring my faith in Jesus. I'm stating that I want to live for Jesus. And so, in, a, a, in one sense, that there are some people that have been baptized twice, once as an infant, but again, a different type of baptism, and then once as someone who says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. We've had some people, by the way, that say, I would like to be baptized again. Like, I. I, had a, I made a decision, I followed Jesus, and then I decided to do something else, and now I'm back. But Jesus only died once. So you don't have to be rebaptized If you want to recommit your life, if you want to tell your story, we'd love to have you come up and tell your story and let us know how Jesus is alive in you and how you've come back to Christ. But we don't baptize believers more than once because Jesus just died once. Okay, some of you are looking at your Bibles going, we've only gotten through the first half of the first verse. Okay, let's go. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. And he says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. I'm not exactly sure why he points out church leaders and deacons because obviously they're a part of the church, but he highlights them. Maybe that's part of his way of saying thanks. And he says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. It's a a common blessing, a common statement from Paul and in that era to say grace and peace. Maybe some of you have heard this statement, grace and peace. Maybe some of you have said this statement, grace and peace. Grace, it's unmerited favor, peace. This is the shalom, the wholeness, the completeness. And so as Paul begins this letter to this church, he's just blessing them, he's He's stating how important God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. There it is. Thanks. I can't tell you, family, how many times I've paused to just give thanks for you. For you. I love you. First Alliance, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Paul is thankful for this church, for these people. I love you. I'm not even in prison. I'm glad I'm not in prison. But I'm declaring my love for you, First Alliance Church. You've become family. You are family. He says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. There's the word joy. You're going to see it a lot. For you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. The original Greek word for joy, by the way, is kara, cheerfulness, gladness, calm, delight. The church, they've been supporting Paul through this whole process, through his imprisonment, through his travels as he's traveled to other places. They've been giving money. They've been praying for him. They've been checking checking up on him. They've been encouraging and maybe even sending letters. And so he says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Christ Jesus is going to return. We don't know when. Jesus doesn't know when. So if anyone tells you when, they think they're smarter than Jesus we've had a bunch of people through the last 2,000 years that think they know when I can tell you it's soon and it's a day sooner than yesterday and when he returns a lot of things are gonna come to fruition a lot of things are gonna be finished and completed and it's gonna be a great great day but while some of you are counting down the days and waiting for his return the main thing we need to be aware of is his return is to get ready and to help other people get ready. He is certain that God will finish what he started. And I believe the same is true for you family. God is not done with you yet. And that's really good news. So he says, it's right, I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God both in my imprisonment, that's his first reference to the imprisonment, and in defending and confirming the truth of good news. God knows I love you and I long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. He's saying, I- I'm sitting in prison, but that doesn't mean you guys can't study the Word. You can't grow. You can't be praying together. And this is my prayer for you too, First Alliance. No matter if you're a new Christian or you've been a saint for decades, I pray that you would grow, that you would become more like Jesus, that you would grow in your knowledge and your understanding, not just information, but a relationship with jesus and he says for what i want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of christ's return what really matters is jesus what really matters is that you how you live your life not just what you believe in your head but how you live your life it really matters that you are to live a life that's pure that's blameless that people will say wow They are really different kind of person I'd like as a next-door neighbor kind of person that I'd like as an employee kind of person I'd like as a boss they have integrity they're honest they're compassionate they're kind they're generous what really matters think about what really matters in our world today money sex power pleasure He doesn't mention any of that. He says, what matters is that you live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. What really matters to you, church? What really matters to you? Is it going to Franklin Park Mall, that thing you want to order on Amazon? Is it it the job, that, that house or that car? Is it that spouse that you're seeking after? What really matters to you? It doesn't mean that everything in this world is bad. I'll tell you one thing that matters to me are are, are my grandbabies. Two and one on the way. They really matter to me. I got to be with them yesterday. Every time, it's just a delight. They really matter. But you know who matters more to me than my grandbabies? My wife. And you know who matters more to me than my wife? Only one person. (laughs) And that's Jesus. later paul's going to say for me living means living for christ and dying is even better like living this world is great but but when i die i can be with jesus and that's going to be even better jesus was everything to paul everything he he literally went to prison just because he loved jesus and he would not shut up about it he refused to be quiet about the greatest thing the greatest news in human history and he suffered and many again many today are suffering for their faith we need to pray for the persecuted church we think it's rough when you know it's two degrees too hot or cold in the sanctuary suffering for jesus someone unfriends us because we post something on on social media oh suffering for jesus jesus was everything to Paul I want you to understand what really matters what really matters a few weeks ago I was in New Orleans and discovered really uh, what really mattered to a lot of people I was with two friends we walked down Bourbon Street on Friday night broke my heart there was nothing appealing about that walk. it smelled horrible it sounded horrible it looked horrible it felt horrible all these people this is this is this is what mattered to them by the way I was there for a football game to watch my alma mater Eastern Michigan get slaughtered by the University of Louisiana but that's another story what really matters to you Paul says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Christ Jesus, for this is what really matters. Our our church mission statement is all about God's glory. What really matters is God's glory. The bottom line, literally the bottom line of our church mission statement is God's glory. I wonder, is that true for you? What really matters to you? What's the bottom line of your life? What really matters? Thanks. Thanks. That's what he talks about here. Thanks. God is good. And all the time. We are going to move into a time of baptism now. We uh, we actually had another song. We're going to move past the song. Uh, We're going to have a time of baptism and an opportunity for you to hear the stories of five people and their journey, why they are today making Jesus not just their Savior, but their Lord. They're essentially saying this morning that they want to be slaves of Christ Jesus. They want to be servants of Jesus. They want to follow Jesus with all of their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. This is a day of celebration. You're going to hear some great commercials for Jesus today. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And so today we're going to allow these people to publicly declare their faith. And those of you that are followers of Jesus, I'm going to a- invite you to pray with them, to pray for them, to think about your own baptism, your own journey. Maybe some of you this morning, you've gotten off the path. You'd say, hey, I'm, I was on the road, but I'm having a picnic off at the side of the road. I've been sitting in a rest area. It's time to get back on to follow Jesus, to make him Lord of your life. Today, this is their day for baptism. This could be your day to rededicate your life to Christ. And I would love for you to do that, and Jesus would love for you to do that. There's nothing more important to Paul than his relationship with Jesus. And I pray that the same would be true for all of us.